Welcome to the Small Stories Podcast presented by Small Stories Studio. My name is Billy Ivey and I host this thing. I'm so happy you decided to or were persuaded to check it out. Uh, This is a place where I tell stories and try to encourage others, that'd be you, to do the same. Uh, At Small Stories, we believe that small things can make the biggest difference in the lives of others and that is why we're here. To talk about small things, to discuss the people, places, experience, and things that compel us to more, that inspire us to uh, to make a meaningful difference, to exist more, I don't know, more fully. Anyway, I'm glad you're here. Now let's get on to the episode. Love Like Mimi. Now I wear a bracelet on my left wrist. It's blue. It's one of those rubber band type bracelets that can't be truly categorized as jewelry because they cost roughly 13 cents to make and, well, it's made out of rubber. But for lack of a better description, it is a bracelet. You know the ones I'm talking about, the the kind that, that were first made popular by Lance Armstrong, the now infamous road cyclist who garnered international fame for winning the Tour de France and a, a record seven consecutive times from 1999 to 2005. You know the guy. He had testicular cancer. He overcame. He kicked all sorts of cycling butt and then was stripped of all those titles after the investigation into his doping allegations that found that he used performance-enhancing drugs throughout his career. You know him. You know the guy. And I was actually more impressed that he dated and even got engaged to Cheryl Crow before he evidently messed that up and they broke it off. But still, Cheryl Crow? I loved Cheryl Crow. But, you know, those bracelets, those yellow bracelets that he sold for a few years back in the day, those were all the rage. The Live Strong bracelets. They cost like a dollar and, and they had the word Live Strong embossed on them. He sold tens of millions and, and the funds all went to cancer research or something. I can't remember, but I had one for a while. I wore it proudly for like three weeks until every single person I saw in the whole world also had on one of these yellow Live Strong bracelets. And so it became less cool when I stopped wearing jewelry altogether. Until this blue bracelet, this royal blue rubber bracelet that simply reads, Love Like Mimi. Mimi, my mom, Melanie. My mom, Melanie. Not Melanie, mind you. Melanie. Mimi. Now, my, pom- my mom passed away on April 6th, 2018, after a long bout with Parkinson's disease. And I had a bunch of these blue bracelets made in her honor so the people at her funeral might have something to take with them, to, to wear even, to remind them of the lady they had come to honor that day. The lady who they no doubt agreed loved others the way the Bible instructs us to love one another. Now, one of the biggest honors of my life was to address these people, these mourners and loved ones who had come to pay their respects on that day. And I thought I would share those words here with you on this day. You know, we just celebrated Thanksgiving last week. Uh, It's a time for family, of course. It's a time for loved ones to come together, to spend time with one another, and to reflect on how blessed we all are, you know, to be together. 
When I thought about my mom last week, I think of her a lot during the holidays, actually, because of how much she loved them, the holidays, any holiday, any time we were able to be together. I think about a lot about how much she loved. And so I'm going to share a little bit of her, my mom, Melanie, Mimi, with you here today. Here goes. Now, anybody anywhere who knows anything at all about public speaking will tell you almost right off the bat that the best way to lose an audience is to read to them. If you want to engage and inspire and invite folks into a relationship with your words, you simply need to speak from the heart and the rest will take care of itself. Well, I'm about to read to y'all, unfortunately, but hopefully you'll get over it. Anyway, here goes. How do you even begin to honor a woman like Melanie Ivy Mitchell? Mom, mama, Mimi, sister, daughter, aunt, beloved wife, and treasured friend. I'm not even qualified, and I was her favorite. At least that's what she told me. And you know what? I believed her. My entire life, I believed that I was my mom's favorite. When I found out something very interesting, though, during the last week of her life, I learned that my mom, this wonderful, beautiful, incredibly sweet and godly woman, was in fact a liar. You know, during that last week when she was still able to engage with us, I was holding her hand and whispering to her, telling her how much I loved her and how proud I was of her, how thankful I was for all she'd done for me and taught me and given me and the people I love throughout our lives. A tear formed in the corner of her eye and she looked at me, unable to speak, but she definitely heard me. So I just rubbed her head and whispered, it's okay, mama, it's okay. I love you. Now, squeeze my hand if I'm still your favorite. (laughs) And she did. There was a definite squeeze and even a slight grin that formed on her lips. So that was proof, right? I was indeed her favorite. But then about 10 hours later, my sister Debbie showed up and started talking to mom. She actually announced her arrival with, hey, mom, it's me, your favorite. And mom perked up a little. Her eyes opened a little wider. She grinned, that same devious grin she'd given me. She and Debbie embraced, and I stood there like, really? And then a day or two later, Scotty, my brother, was talking to her as I watched, unbeknownst to either of them. And sure enough, mom's, quote, favorite held her feeble hand, consoling her and being consoled. So yeah, mom was a liar, first and foremost. But when I thought about it later, and as I think about it even today, I realize how beautiful that was. And I realize how perfectly that describes who my mom was. In fact, I would venture to wage a bet that there's not a person in this sanctuary right now who doesn't believe that you were mom's favorite something. In fact, raise your hand if my mom, at least at some point in your relationship, made you feel like you were her favorite friend. What about her siblings? Which one was her favorite? Nieces and nephews? Go ahead, keep your hands up. What about grandkids, stepkids, sons-in-laws, daughters-in-laws, Sunday school members, pastors, doctors, nurses, or random people she just passed in the hall one time? 
Now, everybody in this sanctuary should be raising their hand right now because it was true. It really, really was. You were her favorite. See, she had an immeasurable love for people, all people. And she loved regardless of size, shape, color, worth, abilities, or belief. She simply loved. And she loved big. And that's where this love like Mimi challenge or reminder has come from. I can't imagine a better legacy for her than for you, her favorites, to love people well. That's what she wanted for all of us, to love and to be loved. You know, but as I've thought about that phrase over the past several weeks, love like Mimi, it struck me as to how embarrassed and maybe even frustrated mom would have been with it. She would, no doubt, be humbled and honored, but she would also be the very first person to correct all of us. She would direct us somewhere else, to someone else, because her goal in life was to love like Jesus. And she would be the very first person to point out her own flaws and shortcomings and all of the things she'd done wrong in her life or didn't get right while she was here. She'd be the first to point us directly to him and to his good and perfect love. She tried to do that every day and in every way, certainly as long as I knew her. And I got a broader picture of it over the past two or three weeks. Like most, if not all of you, I always knew mom to to be a faithful woman, filled with love and with a love beyond reproach. But I don't think I knew how faithful until those last couple of weeks at her bedside when when we started finding and reading her prayer journals. Journal after journal, book after book, and hundreds and hundreds of papers of her incredible and incredibly specific prayers. Beautiful, heart-wrenching, soulful, personal, and always hopeful prayers about the people she loved over and over and over again, page after page. I was astounded at the depth of her heart and her relationship with her very real God. Now, mom was never shy about loving others openly and publicly, but these were her private prayers, and they were as pure as poetry. Page after page of her prayers were full of asking forgiveness for falling short, not loving enough, not doing enough, not being able to be the perfect servant God requires. And then page after page following up with with thankfulness that he still loved her in spite of her shortcomings. My wife, Bethany, likened mom to the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the Philippians saying, I consider even my best efforts garbage not having a righteousness of my own. My best is trash without the love of God. Mom believed with all of her heart that even her best was never good enough. She knew she needed Jesus. And she loved all of us with her whole heart. And she offered all of us up to the one true God who she knew would listen and meet her there in those words. The God she knew loves us even more than she did. That seems impossible to believe even for a believer, but that was the truest desire of her heart, that we would know and believe and trust in the love of the Father. So yeah, 
Love like Mimi. You will do good to even try. But do not forget where that love came from. Do not overlook the importance of a life lived in complete devotion to Jesus. And today, we're all sad that she's gone. I know that I am. I'm going to miss her every day. I think a big reason, outside of the fact that she was our mom, Mimi, a wife, a sister, an aunt, and a friend, the big reason is because we think that what she represented to us might be also gone. And Matthew 5.16 is my favorite verse in the Bible, and I'm fairly certain that she introduced me to it. It reads, Let your light so shine among men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light so shine among men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Mom was the brightest of lights, wasn't she? She lived life in such a way that there was no doubt who she was and whose she was. She left no doubt. So yeah, we're, we're sad when a light like hers goes away. But I would submit that because of her light, because of the influence and impact and reflection of the light she so desperately wanted to emulate, all of our lights can shine a little brighter. Now it's our turn. So how can, us, how can each of us live in such a way that our light so shines among men that they have no choice but to see and get to know Jesus a little better. Love like Mimi. It's our turn. To know my mother was to love her, and to be known by her was to be fully loved. She spent her whole life thinking of others and putting their interests above and, and, and before her own. There wasn't a selfish bone in her body, and she spent every day, even up to the very end, thinking about others and worried about others and hoping and wanting the best for them. She spent 72 years looking for ways to make our lives better. Gone too soon, to be sure, but 72 years is a long time, and that's a lot of love. A great many of you might find some comfort in thinking about her up there right now, looking down on us and smiling, still watching over us. And that is a comfortable thought, I suppose. But I need to tell you something. I don't think that's happening. Of course, she still has love, and she carried it with her, and I believe she carried all of our love with her. But if you think for one second that my Mom is looking down on a bunch of fallen, broken, needy, whimpering, selfish, crying, sniveling, snotty, imperfect people, then maybe you didn't know her as well as you thought you did. Listen, we had our chance. She looked after us for 72 years. But right now, right now, she is staring into the face of Jesus. She's finally singing, hallelujah, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power to God. She is where she has longed to be. Hers was actually the funeral she looked forward to most. Every day of her life, she yearned for it with clear, crystal clear clarity. Not because she wanted to leave us, not because she didn't want to be with all of us. On the contrary, the greatest desire of my mom's heart was to be reunited with all of her favorites at the foot of the throne of God together. 
singing and dancing around the kitchen with her grandkids. I could have danced all night. I could have danced all night. And laughing hysterically and running and playing ping pong and jumping on the trampoline and swimming and playing hide and seek and dressing up like cowboys and Indians and playing card games and praying and cheering for Vanderbilt football and having to pray even more because of that and and eating the best, juiciest, most delicious apples you've ever tasted in your entire life and making ridiculous sound effects while telling the same stories over and over and over and over and over and my goodness, over again and drinking Diet Coke and wrapping thousands of stupid plastic broken before you can even get them home Christmas presents and listening to rock and roll and hiding Easter eggs and snuggling on the couch and taking long walks and pointing out all of the beautiful flowers and listening to the robins singing and eating her weight in banana popsicles and resting in the infinite and eternal love of God. She's with Jesus and we should celebrate that. So that's why I still wear this bracelet, this 13 cent reminder to love well, to love like Mimi. I fail at that every day in almost every way, but sometimes I look down at my arm and I remember. And it makes me smile to be reminded of how much she loved me, how much Jesus loves me. And from time to time when others ask, hey, what's with the blue Lance Armstrong bracelet? I get to tell them about my mom, Melanie, Mimi. Well, that's it for this episode of the Small Stories Podcast, presented by Small Stories Studio. Find out all of the exciting stuff we've got going on at Small Stories, including our books, Long is the Way, and the just-announced Napkinisms book by yours truly. Go to the site, learn more, and order something. It'll be to you before Christmas, and you can gift the heck out of it this Christmas. Something perfect for anybody and everybody on your Christmas list. Smallstorystudio.com. Thanks again for listening, and please remember, small 